0: Hello, ladies and gents, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have a special guest, Alfonso, already on the line. He is a celebrity trainer based out of Beverly Hills. We dive into what celebrity training really is. That's kind of a misunderstood title in the first place. We kind of dissect that. We talk about what got him into that, what got him into training, what got him into doing what he's done for the past 30 years from a nutritional standpoint, from a training standpoint. We dive into all kinds of things. But we dive much deeper than just training nutrition. We talk about mindset. We talk about how to overcome obstacles. He moved out to Beverly Hills, moved out to California with $1 in his pocket, living out of a freaking rental car in a CVS parking lot. So he's got a pretty freaking awesome story. And I had no idea any of this when I jumped on the call with him. So it was just cool to see the whole thing unfold. And I just learned a ton He's a very motivating guy. I was fired up after this conversation. I've got no doubt that you will be too. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast with Alfonso. And we are live. How are you, man? I'm good. Robert, yourself? I'm doing wonderfully well, wonderfully well. So I saw you awesome. you, you uh, posted about eating keto bricks or something on Instagram, and I started stalking you on Instagram, diving into your profile. And you're a trainer yeah. in Beverly Hills, but you've also been doing keto and carnivore for long before it was popular. So I'd kind of like to just dive in and get some of your background, man.
1: Yeah,
2: so... um well, I've been a trainer since I'm 17, so I'm going on a, I mean, I started as a fitness expert when I was 17, I'll be 47 this year, so I'm actually going on my 30th year of training. Um, it's pretty much all I've done uh, for the past 30 years. You know, I've had a few jobs here and there that weren't necessarily training related, but always as a second job, so almost three decades as a personal trainer. Um, born and raised in New York, um, lived there up until I was 41, and, uh, you know, I had some good success. Um in 2010, I launched a brand called Angry Trainer Fitness. Um, if you Google that, you'll get a ton of stuff. I was known as the Angry Trainer. I was on TV. It was kind of like the um, kind of like the review guy. People were writing me, "What do you think of this trainer? What do you think of this product? Um, you know, are carbs bad or this?" And I had really uh, a great amount of success with that, actually. Um, but at 41, I just kind of uh, decided that I needed to change, and I moved to Los Angeles.
1: Nice. Um,
2: I did start. Man, I started keto. God. I mean, I competed in, uh, amateur natural bodybuilding contests for 14, 15 years. The last one probably being when I was like 36. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was a big fan of Dan Duchesne. And back in the day, the big muscle magazine was muscle media 2000 with Bill Phillips and his EAS sports supplements. So I followed all that stuff. I followed, um, you know, Charles Poliquin's, um, the Poliquin principles for, you know, for weight training and bodybuilding. Um, And, you know, I, on and off, used the the keto diet for a long time. Recently, I've been turned on to the carnivore diet, Um, you know, and I'm still, I kind of go, I would say I kind of go back and forth between keto and carnivore. I mean, carnivore is keto um, Mm -hmm. by nature, but it's, I mean, I don't have to tell you what it's about. You know what it's about. So I just go back, I go back and forth between the two. I'm not going to lie, like, I like a nice salad with some, you know, Thousand Island dressing on it, you know I mean? There's something about it. I just like it, so it's still hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around the fact that, you know, maybe tomatoes and lettuce and plants, um, are not good for you. You know, I'm still kind of like delving into like that research with the different chemicals that they produce and, you know, nuts aren't good for you because of the oxalates and the building up of all of these various things in your body over time. It makes sense, but it's just, you know, after 40 years of hearing stuff, it's so hard to just kind of be like, really like lettuce isn't good for you. Like lettuce is, you don't need fiber. Like, yeah. It's kind of a, you know, kind of nuts like when you think about it intuitively it makes sense you know um i always say to people that you know when they talk about you know vegetarianism or veganism there'd be no way you could survive on this planet if you were either one of those things you'd be dead um without modern supermarkets without agriculture without all of these things that are manufactured for people to eat you know, God forbid you're ever stranded on an island and you're a vegan, you're dead. If you're a vegetarian, you're dead. You know, when, once you start getting hungry, you're going to be looking for something that's walking, running, flying, or swimming in the water. And that's what you're going to eat. So Mm -hmm. to me, you know, to bring it all back to just primal, what the body needs primally and how we evolve, you know, we didn't evolve on soy cheese and tofu and all of these other things. So To me, it makes sense. It's just still very hard to look at that stuff and be like, okay, I'm not going to eat this because it's not good for me.
0: Totally, man. It's interesting because I was was talking to one of uh, my employees this morning that edits my podcast and she was like, you know, I I bet people think you're, Hardcore carnivore advocate based off of your podcast because I got a lot of carnivore guests on the show. Right, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. I mean, I definitely like carnivore. I consider carnivore a subset of keto. But like, I'm in the same boat as you, man. If I'm craving a big salad, I'll eat a big salad. I'm not going to feel guilty for it. Like, I eat yeah you... keto nonstop. Like, I'm strict yeah. keto to the T. But I'm not going to like beat myself up if I have a few nuts here and there. Have have some tomatoes. Right. I, had, I had a you know homegrown right. cucumber the other day and I felt great eating it. Like, I don't feel bad about having an occasional vegetable on my plate
2: no and 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 I mean and you shouldn't I mean it's you know I look I'm sure over the course of you know our history and how we evolved, you know it's just like fruit right people eat fruit year-round but we didn't have fruit available to us year-round so I'm sure it's okay to eat a little bit of fruit here and there you know what I mean what it's not okay to do is to put it in a blender with yogurt and peanut butter and make yourself like a 7,000 calorie sugar bomb in the morning because that's just not going to be, that's just not going to be good for you. You know, like, and, and, and I also don't believe, you know, I think that with the carnivore diet, my takeaway from the carnivore diet um, is that it should represent the biggest piece of your pie of your food. Mm-hmm. Like if there's one main staple of your food on a daily basis, it should be animal products, whether it's organ meat, whether it's just red meat, whether it's the liver, whether it's whatever it is. And then on different days of the week, because, just like your energy output is different every day. Your activity level is different every day. Maybe you got more sleep, less sleep, you're busier, you're less busy. Then you have all of these other variables that you can variables that you can kind of throw in there, a little bit of vegetables maybe one day. Maybe on one day you have like, you know, some berries or something like that. Like those are all the things that I kind of feel like are in rotation, but I do feel that the core of your diet should be mostly animal product-based. I do believe that.
0: 100% agree, well,
2: with, 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 the, with With the caveat, that you're not eating any sugar or starches because then I think it becomes detrimental because then I think that all of the saturated fat and the animal fats in the presence of, you know, elevated insulin levels just do more harm than good, obviously, right? You can either eat a sugar diet or you can eat a fat diet. You can't eat both. And of course the American diet is both. And that's why we're as sick as we are. And that's why we're as fat as we are. So you kind of really have to choose that. I have friends who they like to try carnivore and they're like, yeah, and I'm but I had some. I had, you know, I had a big bowl of beans with it, and I had a big cup of rice with it. I'm like, you can't do that. I'm like, that kind of defeats the purpose. You're, you're not, you're thwarting the process of the, the hormone, um, the, the state of your metabolism that you're trying to reach. You're trying to keep your blood sugar low. You're trying to produce ketones. You can't do that. It, in that case, it probably becomes an unhealthy diet, not a healthy diet. So, it's, you have to be a little bit more strict, obviously.
0: Totally, totally agree, man. I feel like a lot of people. I mean, there's, there's so many case studies of people that have you know gotten really lean they they're quote-unquote healthy yeah. by following a very high carbohydrate and very low fat protocol and I would argue right. that's not necessarily optimal but it obviously works for that demographic where you get into is like you're saying when sure. you're having both and you're trying to you know play both sides of the fence that's when that's when things start going downhill
2: but that's also and also you know and I just posted something like uh, you know that's also for fitness pros though you know a mm-hmm. lot of these people that you see like we we have a few friends and you know they're, you know, they're always posting their, their smoothies and they're eating these big, old, you know, big, you know, bowls of berries and, but they're also like out on their bike riding like a hundred miles a day and they're running like seven miles. Like that's not the average individual. You can't take, just like you couldn't take a bodybuilder's diet and apply it to yourself. If you see somebody who's a quote unquote fitness pro, we should talk about that too, The how many fitness pros there are now with social media, yeah. you know, you can't compare you if you're a librarian or you go sit behind a desk you know what i mean you can't compare your diet to a fitness pro's diet their activity level their metabolic rate their their expenditure their burn is way different than yours if you want to put sugar in the body then make sure you're going to use it it's like putting gas in the car if you're going to drive the car at 100 miles an hour by all means put top racing fuel in there fuel it and use it. But if you're a librarian, don't eat what your fitness pro on Instagram is right before she goes for her CrossFit workout or right before she goes out for her 12 mile run, she's going to burn all that sugar and she's going to be lean. You're not going to be, you're going to eat all that sugar. You're going to spike your level. You're going to store it as fat and you're going to keep getting fatter and fatter and fatter and not understanding why, because this is what this girl on Instagram told you to do. So it's, it's all about like, you know, the, that's the problem is people look to people on the internet or, or you know, Instagram and they, they think that they can do what they can do. You can do what they do if you're going to do what they do, but yeah. you're not. You're not going to do what they do because that's their job. That's their job. That's how they get paid. And they're in the gym 10 hours a day. Nobody, none of these trainers will say, oh, I'm doing 30 minutes, three days a week. It's a lie. They're all liars.
0: All right.
2: <laughs> and, and another thing, <laughs> you just, know, well, they're, they're lockers, man. I don't know how else to say it. So much misinformation is awful.
0: Yeah, there's there's a ton of misinformation out there. And another thing too, though, is like so much of it depends on what your lifestyle has been like up to that point. Like you've been doing this since you were a teenager, so you've got the past three years or thir- thirty years rather doing this, living yeah. this lifestyle, well, eating this. I started this way. training.
2: I started training. Well, I became a trainer thirty years ago. I lift. I started with my first dumbbell when I was twelve. I started lifting weights when I was twelve years old.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this this has so. been what you've been living and breathing. Like somebody that's that's suffer from t- complete and total metabolic dysfunction for the past 30 years right. of their life then starts training tries to clean up their diet they can't automatically right. see somebody on Instagram and be like okay that's what they're eating that's what I'm gonna start eating because none of these past no. 30 years of me just throwing away my health is, is gonna count for no. that. like that that all goes no. into the play there
2: is nothing there is nothing that replaces experience in the gym or experience with exercise it's just cumulative like over the years, you know, when you say compete, and you've seen this because you've competed in um, some shows. I always used to go to the bodybuilding shows, you know, and there was the, the master's class. Mm-hmm. Those guys always looked different. Their muscles looked different. They looked more dense. They looked more compact. They had more muscle maturity because you you, you can't replace it. There's evolution of your body. There's compensation of your body. There's There's the way that your body adjusts to how you train over time, it changes year after year after year. So a guy who's been training for 15 or 20 years, I don't care if he started and now he's 50, his muscles are going to look different than a guy who's 20, 25. No amount of drugs, no amount of anything is going to beat time in the gym. It's just simply experience. You cannot replace it,
0: period. 100%, man. So (laughs) you being as experienced as you are, you probably get so sick of seeing all this short-term like, you know, quick fix syndrome that is just running rampant right now in the fitness industry in particular? Well,
2: you know, it, 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 honestly, it, Robert, it's been like this for the past 20 years. It's one of the reasons why I started Angry Trainer Fitness. It was one of the things that I was known for. I mean, I had a strand called infomercial insanity. Um, these trainers, you know, I'm just going to, I'll name one like Tracy Anderson. I mean, it's junk. I mean, it's just junk. It's so, it's so ridiculous. Some of the stuff that these people, but it's like snake oil. And you know, I get it. Look, we're in a capitalist society, you know, so on one hand, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I can say to myself, okay, these people are, they're they're capitalizing, but then on a human level, on a personal trainer level, it's like, you know, you're selling these teas, you're selling your like five weeks to get fit. It's, it's crazy. Like people used to come to me in my studio, when I was back in uh, Connecticut, I had a little studio, and I had all of my my bodybuilding trophies. I had a couple from the NPC, whatever. And this guy walked in, he looked at me, he goes, you're going to make me look like that? And I said to him, I said, I'm a trainer. I'm not a magician. <laughs> you know, like, haven't you haven't worked out in 30 years. I go, do you honestly think that I'm going to be able to undo 30 years in 10 weeks?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, 10 weeks. Like, we're even, like, if that was the case in... You'll be better in ten weeks, there's no doubt. Like today is today is day one. We're gonna take a step forward and tomorrow you'll be one step forward. And the same way that you stepped backwards for thirty years, we now have to step forward the same way. You know what I mean? Now, within there, of course, I mean, with what I have in my head with you know, the nutrition tricks and trips, you know, and, and all the different things that I have, I mean, I can absolutely accelerate it. I mean, I can take somebody who is very deconditioned and out of shape and make them look amazing in three months, four months, five months. But that's not going to be like their standard protocol for the rest of their life. This is like almost like contest prep training. It's almost like we're, we're working towards a goal and then we have to like maintain it. Mm -hmm. So what what do you think? I'm tired of it. It's awful.
0: I'm listening. I'm reading this book about habits right now. And I'm just, I've I've been very fascinated by the psychology of the human brain. And I know humans like any other animal, we, we tend to take the path of least resistance, but I'm honestly just bewildered because personally I like doing things that I know, are hard and are going to take forever. Like I like knowing that, you know, compounded over yeah. th- the next 30, 40 years, my training and nutrition endeavors is going to pay off. But like most people, they don't yeah. like thinking like that. So where do you think the fork well, in the road exists?
2: It's, well, you know, it's, I'll tell you, I think that's just, I don't, I don't know that you can learn that to be honest with you. Um, I have three kids. So I have a, a, a 21, he'll be 21. I have the other one, I'll be 19. And then I have a six year old daughter
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, you know, there's always that nature versus nurture argument, you know, what you're born with, you know, um, and, and what you what you see and how you how you attack certain things. There are some people that I believe are just born with a drive. They're they're born liking the challenge. They're born, you know, wanting to endure a little bit of suffering in order to achieve greatness. And then there are people who just don't. Um I don't know that you can lead by example. I don't know that you can, I don't know that you can learn that trait. It is psychological, you know, and that's where you have to delve into the, you know, the brain and say, well, how much of this is born and how much of this is learned? I don't know if you can learn to be committed and disciplined. I think you can, or, or, or to want struggle. I don't know that you can do that. When I came to California, I became homeless. Uh, I was living in a car in a CVS parking lot. Um, I had a dollar to my name. It was a Mazda Miata renter car because I came here. I came here with, no, and this was with my kids at the time. They were like 14 and 16 and uh, I was divorced. And I talked to my ex-wife and my kids and I said, look, I said, I can't tell you how I can't tell you what I'm going to do. I don't know. I just know that there's something great out there for me. And I came out here and I mean, man, it was rough, dude. I mean, I was counting, uh, I was counting change under the meters on the Santa Monica Boulevard for, you know, two for one cans of tuna fish in the, in a uh, CVS. Um, I ate food out of garbage. I mean, it was the lowest, lowest point for sure in my life, but I knew that there was something ahead. There was, there was, I had friends that said, we'll buy you a plane ticket, come back. We'll buy you a plane ticket, come back. And I kept saying, no, no, like, I'm not coming back. I like, came out here, I'm not coming back. And, you know, a year later, you know, I was training, some of the biggest celebrities in the world. I was flying around on a private jet all over the country. I had increased my, my income tenfold by the greatest number it ever was in New York. Um, but I just never gave up. It was just like it, in my, I don't know how to describe it. Like I just knew it, it wasn't, it, it was awful, but it wasn't so awful because I knew it was temporary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I knew that it was going to change. Like I knew in my heart, I knew in my soul, I knew something was going to give and it did. I don't know how many people would do that. You know, I've tried to, I've, I've told my kids this story. I've told other people this story, but you know, I always say like, you don't want it bad enough if you're not willing to sleep in your car. Like that's just the way it is. Like if, if you, if you want it bad enough, you'll do whatever you need to do in order to make it happen.
0: Totally. man. So, you know,
2: your, your, your mindset and the way that that you are, you know, it, it could have been something that you experienced in your childhood. It could be, you know, for me personally, I'm going to say straight out that one of my biggest uh, drivers for wanting to be successful is insecurity and having, you know, not such a great self-esteem. That was one reason why I got into bodybuilding. It's one reason why I turned into weightlifting, you know, like it gives me satisfaction to achieve something because I don't always feel so great about myself. So this is one of the ways that I make myself feel great about myself is by not quitting things, by building things, by doing things, by doing things that people don't think can be done it gives me personal satisfaction to get those things done. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not a confident person. I'm just saying that like everybody else, you know, there are self-esteem issues at times and there are confidence, you know, things. And sometimes you can channel those things into um, pushing you forward to uncomfortable situations that will, you know, yield you different results than the average person.
0: What what do you think led to your lack of self-esteem at such a young age? Oh man. Um,
2: Truthfully, it was, it's like body dysmorphia. Um, So my dad used to work out in the house. Mm -hmm. My father was always, always working out. And he had um, all these muscle magazines. You know, it's interesting. They always talk about girls and how models, you know, and this is one thing that kind of bothers me they they always talk about how models set bad examples for young girls but nobody complains when like mark Wahlberg takes off his shirt in a movie nobody complains when the rock is flexing all of his muscles you know i grew up in an era where it was sylvester stallone and it was schwarzenegger and it was all these guys running around with their big biceps and you know blowing stuff up and in my house my father had all these muscle magazines laying around and from like my youngest age i would look at those pictures i looked at all of those and i thought that that's how that's what a guy was supposed to look like a guy was you know supposed to have flat abs supposed to have a big chest and big shoulders. Like that was just the way that, you know, like, and then I started looking at other guys who had like pot bellies and were out of shape and didn't do that, you know? And I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to look like that. But I didn't look like that. I didn't have good genetics. I'm definitely not an individual that was born blessed with good genes and great shapes of muscles without a doubt. Um, so I, that's when I turned to weightlifting. I started lifting weights at like, you know, 13 and then I really, really got into it. And I got really into it and started reading God. I probably read more from the age of 13 to 17 than most trainers do, From the time they get certified till they die i mean i read everything and anything i could get my hands on um so you know that's really where it came from it came from you know looking in the mirror and feeling like i really didn't look like what i thought my interpretation of what a man in society was supposed to look like so i actually struggled for like a great number of years with you know kind of liking the way that my body looked you know i mean you know as well as I do. You know you're always trying to come in better condition. You're like, oh, only my calves were a little bit bigger. Well, how come you know this guy's got great peaks on his biceps? I mean, in, in, when you say it out loud, it actually sounds kind of ridiculous
1: mm-hmm.
2: because it's so trivial and it's so vanity-based and it has nothing to do with what you are as an individual. And um, you know, I've had six surgeries. I pushed myself so hard. I've had torn muscles and broke stuff. And I had a, I had neck surgery and um i was at a client's house you know i couldn't work out at all i was paralyzed on the right side of my my body i lost all the muscles on the right side of my body my chest was flat my tricep was gone i was walking flop-footed my calf was completely atrophied from the surgery and you know it was going to take a long time to come back i had ruptured the c6 c7 it broke off into the the canal and it, it it really hit the nerve very badly um so they had to do like an open procedure on the back of my neck and i was talking to this lady sally great client of mine for years. And she's like, she's like, Alfonso. She's like, you're so much more than just your body. Like everybody who knows you, loves you. Like you have a great personality. She's like, nobody cares what your biceps look like. Nobody cares if you're, if you have a 10 pack, an eight pack, a two pack, a one pack, no one cares. You know what I mean? But I was always that guy in my group. You know what I mean? Like, there's always like that one person, there's the one guy in the group that's like, you know, there's like the buff dude, you know, and then Mm -hmm. there's the whatever. And then, you know, it's like you fit in your own little group, you know? It becomes so your identity. It, it took me a great number of years to just kinda to just get to the point where like like I think about it, but it definitely doesn't like I don't let the way that I look define who I am anymore. Like I define I define the way that I look rather than the way that I look defining who I am. And that's
0: important. That's that's huge, man. And I, I think it's good that you're talking about it cause it 'cause it is very, very common in men and most men view it as a weakness so they for don't sure. really talk about it, you know. But like I struggle with oh, that yeah. for I, several I mean, years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's prevalent in bodybuilding, you know, like mm-hmm. guys don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed. You know what I mean? But you know, there's, there's bulimia, there's anorexia. I mean, I can absolutely tell you without a doubt, I had no doubt. I had a, uh, an eating disorder for many, many years. I mean, I was nuts with food. I mean, crazy with food. I mean, if I ate too much, I would like, and I'd have to go on the Stairmaster for an hour to like burn. Like it was just, it was crazy. It's like, it, it, it's, it's, um, you know, some people, some people have a hard time understanding how people get obese mm-hmm. you know because they can't understand it right because it, it's so visual right you know it's not like it's not like other addictions but when you're somebody who's addicted to exercise you're really no different you're just on the other end of the spectrum you're doing the same thing that they're doing you're covering and burying your feelings and you're trying to deal with anxiety um and and other control issues through manipulating your body to make you superficially look better no different than an alcoholic it's no different than a drug addict it's no different than somebody who is over consuming food you're all doing the same thing you're all just using different modes none of it is healthy none of it and um, it wasn't healthy you know like I say to people I said actually in my life when I have looked the best is generally when I have felt the worst about myself um, which is interesting and you know I've been around bodybuilding for so many years and I can tell you that I mean any bodybuilding stage is a walking psychological experiment that needs to happen. You know, like everybody there, in my opinion, has issues with self-esteem and self-confidence. They're trying to be something that they're not, they're trying to change their body into something that, you know, you may have the outliers here and there that, but from what I've seen, everyone takes it to such an extreme for so long. And as you know, the prep is awful awful for your body it's never good to dehydrate your body it's never good to sodium load it's never good to carbohydrate super you know all this you know all the racket about it it's just it's it's irony at the finest you know what i mean it's like you look great but you're not really great i mean you're, you feel like you're about to die <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's that's why i'm so that's <laughs> it's why like, it's i'm like so passionate day. about like natural bodybuilding especially in the context of doing it with a ketogenic approach because i feel like those two paired together without using steroids or you know growth hormones and not doing all kinds of crazy highly processed sugar loads i mean i think that is the best and healthiest way you can approach it and that's what makes the 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 sport as as a sport you know bodybuilding much more sustainable and healthy long term because i don't like the idea of of people viewing bodybuilding as this crazy unhealthy thing and and it's it's yeah. funny because as it is now, that's pretty much what it is. Like it is very unhealthy. Like the people that are on stage and viewed as this symbol of health are the farthest thing from health, both physically yeah. and mentally. So I'm trying to fight sure. to, to turn that that switch, but I got, I got an uphill battle ahead of me for sure.
2: Well, you know the problem. The problem is, is it's just it's no different than professional athletics. You know, people want to see people want to see people run faster. They want to see them jump higher. They want to see them throw things further. They want to see boxing, you know, they they want to see everybody perform better. And, you know, there are just limits to the human body. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, so now you have all of these different classifications of performance enhancing drugs and SARMs and peptides and all of those other things. So it's like, you know, if people continue to want to see people perform at, you know, you know, above human levels. You know what I mean? Then you're going to continue to see rampant drug use. It's just the way it is. I mean, if you go back, go back and look at the Olympics. Go back and look at basketball players from the 1970s. They're all stick figures. Go back and look at the track and field athletes. Go back and look at virtually any athlete in every sport 30, 40 years ago in the Olympics, and then look at their bodies now. And you expect me to believe that that's just from better protein shakes and from better training? Mm, unlikely. You it's know, all, it's all and crazy. then you see <laughs> these guys who have. Yeah, I mean, you see these guys that have like a torn meniscus or they tear their LCL and, you know, ACL, LCL, MCL. And then a month later, they're back on the court like dunking. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, and that healed naturally. No, nothing was used in order to – it's just, you know, as long as the public demands freakish things there, and there's a need for it, that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's nobody wants to go see a bodybuilding show where the guys look like the guys from the 80s. Nobody wants to go see that. They, they don't want to see that. They want to see these freaks with their huge insulin growth hormone guts, you know, that everybody knows at any particular moment they could all die because their bodies are so stressed and so taxed. That's what they want to see. That's what they want to see. And These, these poor people who, you know, for, you know, obviously I'm not a psychiatrist or a doctor, but, you know, who are susceptible to. Having you know thousands of people gawk at them and, and want to see this craziness, you know they're willing to put their lives on the line. I mean, look at all the guys who are dying. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous how many bodybuilders have died. It's insane how many have died. Um, you know, so it's it's unfortunate. You know, it's the way it is. Yeah, it's it, our it's our it's, wonderful society and where is, we where we uh, it is where we place sure. what we appreciate.
0: So, so for you personally, man, like what what happened? What was the the pivotal shift in your life that that made you? comfortable and confident who you were without having to feel like you had to appeal to the masses and you could just, you know, not focus so much on constantly being better. It was just, it was just more of a natural progression for like, What was that shift?
2: You know, I think it was just age, man. I think it was just age. I think it was just age, a little bit of wisdom. Um, you know, it was running a successful personal training business. It was, um, just being happy, you know, like just, you know, finding, finding different things in my life that made me happy instead of focusing on one thing and trying to make that one thing, make me happy, which ultimately really never did, you know, like just focusing on becoming like more of a complete human being, focusing more on, you know, widening my view as to what's important, you know, like chest and biceps didn't have to happen every Monday. It was okay if it didn't like it's, I didn't have to follow a schedule. It was okay if, if I missed a few days, it was okay. If I didn't work out for four days, it was okay. If I I needed to take a week off, it's not that big a deal. You know, it's like you make it a big deal because you make it a big deal. It doesn't have to be a big deal, you know? And you know, I'm so tired of these guys on Instagram with their grind and you know, how badly do you want it? It's like, get a life. I'm sorry. If that's the way you want to live your life. Great. But how about find some love in your life? How about develop meaningful relationships in your life? How about, you know, build a future of that, that you and your family can, you know, rely upon, you know? And oftentimes what I find with these people is that the balance, it's all about the balance. And so many of these people don't have the balance. It's like the gym, the gym, the gym, the gym, like nothing replaces the gym, nothing replaces the gym. <laughs> You know, there are things that can replace the gym. I'm not saying people shouldn't work out. I'm not faulting people who are committed to a regular exercise program I've done for 30 years, you know. What I'm saying is that it it doesn't have to be so regimented, you know. It's it's so much of like that macho bravado, you know, with the grind and I'm up at 3.30 in the morning in the gym. It's like, that's great. I'm sleeping till 6.30. You should have got other three hours of sleep. Sleep is the most important thing, not being in the gym, in terms of your health anyway. Yeah. So, Totally. I mean, it's true. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the whole, I think the whole macho thing about it, the whole like, you know, like, um, you know, how bad do you want it? You know, like you're going to bleed when you leave the gym. You know, leave it all on the gym floor. It's like, I can't really leave it all on the gym floor because I have a 10-hour workday after this. So I'm going to work out pretty hard, but I'm not going to kill myself because I've got 10 more hours I need to be standing on my feet, you know, and I don't really want – I don't really like feeling like I'm going to throw up or I'm exhausted for the rest of the day.
1: 100%, so man. I
2: just think – I just think, I just think it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, approach it for your health and fitness rather and and let the results change the way your body looks rather than try to change the way your body looks and help that it's, and and hope that it's going to improve your health and fitness, you know, like I'm pretty fit. I'm pretty strong. I'm not squatting 500 pounds anymore, you know, and, lesson learned, you know, seven herniated discs in my back, neck surgery, probably shouldn't have been squatting 600 pounds to begin with, you know, so it's, you know, these people who talk about lifting like ridiculously heavy weights. And, you know, uh, I remember I went to a CrossFit, uh, I became a level two CrossFit trainer. I did level one, level two, I did it in Canton Mass at at Reebok headquarters when they were there. I was with some of the biggest CrossFit stars at the time, Spencer Hendel, Austin Maliolo. um, I think her name was E.J. Sinkowski. And, you know, it was my introduction to CrossFit. And they're talking about how this is comical. Um, CrossFit is all functional movements. They don't believe in bicep curls. They don't believe in cap raises. Like if it's not functional in nature, you'll never see it in, you know, you'll never see it in, in uh, a CrossFit class. And I said to them, okay, I said, um, when would you ever do a burpee naturally in life? Like explain to me how that's a functional movement. Like without you teaching someone how to do a burpee one, let me see where a burpee is natural. Two, last time I looked, there's no airdynes in the jungle. I don't think anybody rides an air dyne in the jungle. That's not a functional movement. I said in three, even if I believe you that going like this and putting something overhead, right? Lifting overhead is a functional movement, which it is because you may have to pick something up and put it up overhead. You would never mm-hmm. be doing that with 400 pounds. So while the movement may be functional, the load that you're giving it would never occur in a problem environment. If there's a 500-pound rock in the middle of the village and I need to move it, I'm not going to try to deadlift that rock myself. I'm going to go get like 15 other guys. We're all going to put a hand on it and we're all going to lift it and move it. So the weights, the poundages, all these things that people are pushing, I believe that, you know, it becomes more detrimental than healthy and geared for, you know, your fitness, you know, how strong do you really need to be? Do you really need to be able to squat 600 pounds? Tell me how that equates into a better, more functional life for you, unless you're a power lifter. If you're a power lifter, 100%, by all means, do it. But if you just look at the spine, if you look at your bones and your anatomy, there's no way your body's designed to do that. I, I used to be, this is an interesting fact, in high school, I was six feet tall. Six feet tall. I'm not even five foot 10 right now.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
2: And I and I do and I do believe, and I do believe that, you know, um, that is due to, I collapse the arches in my feet. You know, think about it. 2000 pound leg presses, 600 pound squats, all this stuff over 30 years. Do you honestly think that that doesn't have a detrimental effect on your joints and all of those discs between your vertebrae? You don't think any of that? I mean, you're going to lose an inch over the course of your lifetime anyway, just from being alive. That's just gravity pulling down on you, right? That's just, that's average for an average individual, at least an inch shorter from your, from your tallest to when you die an inch shorter. So now let's exacerbate that by putting Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds on your spine and compressing your spine and your feet for years and years and years and years. Not
0: good for you. Not good. On on that note, do you ever do like any kind my of opinion, inversion opinion, tables or by the anything? Way, my opinion. Let me let
2: me let me say that. My opinion.
0: <laughs> no, I, mean, I think it makes total sense. There's definitely a point of diminishing return. Do you ever do any like inversion sure. tables or hang upside down with those boots or anything? Gravity boots.
2: I did. I did it for a while um, because I've had so many back issues, back issues and neck issues. Um, they never really did anything for me. They felt, um, you know, a little bit better like afterwards, mm-hmm. but it returned soon after just because the amount of time is actually so minuscule that you can hang upside down compared to how long you're on your feet for. Yeah. So it may give you like a little bit of temporary relief to like kind of pull those, you know, pull the disc apart a little bit, pull the vertebrae apart a little bit, try to get a little bit of space in there. But as soon as you flip back over and you go back on your feet again, like it's just, it's right back there again, you yeah, know. It's
0: a wash. So, yeah, it's interesting. I've
2: tried it. I've tried everything. Believe me, I've tried everything for my back. Believe me, everything.
0: Yeah, back back's tough, man. I've I've only had one, you know, injury really, and that had I slipped. Um, I don't know what it, I guess I slipped the facet joints in the lower back out. And mean mm-hmm. I went to my freaking knees, like I collapsed. I was doing squats and I wasn't even going that heavy, but I I yep. did something, tweaked something, and I was freaking out for like yep. two weeks, man. It's it's no fun.
2: No, it's not. Back and back and any any disc related nerve pain is awful. I mean it was um Man, I can't even begin to tell you when my neck went out, it was awful. Uh, the surgery was awful. I've had my, my lower back has gone out. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, and again, look, I'm not complaining. I'm not I'm I don't want to come across as this like bitter like trainer who kind of like gave up and doesn't care about the way they look. And that's not the case at all. Of course I care about the way I look. I'm actually starting a program today. I posted a picture today of myself like in my late 30s, you know, where I was really really lean for the last show that I did. And I'm going to turn 47 this year, so I'm going to beat that. Like I'm going to go for that look, but better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like of course I still do it. I just I don't have the same. I don't have the same anxiety. I don't have the same control. I'm much more like relaxed about it, which, which makes it more fun. It actually makes it easier to do. You know, like the no cheating ever. Ah, no, like I. I'm more edgy. See, the thing is, is that I think that the more educated you become, the more that you understand the way your body works, your metabolism, your hormones, insulin, all that stuff, glucogen, you know, fat burning, fat promoting, all that. Once you understand it, it's much easier for you to manipulate it. Yep. So when you're one of these people who is younger, right, you're younger and you don't know, you don't have the experience, you don't know because you haven't read, you don't understand the role of all these various hormones and what's happening, like you just eating the food because that's what you read in Muscle Media 2000. That's what they, This is what Dan Duchene told you to do. You know, well, then now, you know, that it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, I've been in ketosis now for four weeks. I've been hitting like a six or seven on my ketosis scale every single day. I could eat a, probably a pint of Ben and Jerry's right now. But if I went to the gym and worked out, I'd be back in ketosis by tonight. So those are things that I didn't know then, you know what I mean? That now I know. So again, it's just, it's age, it's wisdom. It's just learning. It's just, it's just more experience. Just more experience. has just taught me a different way to approach this and have fun with it and not let it control my life. I don't want this to control my life anymore. I can't wake up every day and then stand in front of a mirror wondering what I look like. Like, it's it's not where I want to be in my life. It's not who I want to be in my life.
0: 100%, man. I think perspective, you know, the, the perspective you gain from years of experience is just so incredibly valuable. You were talking earlier about, you know, the grind, the hustle, waking up at 3.30. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem saying that I wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day. But I also have no problem saying that I I went up, I went to bed at six thirty last night because I was tired. You know, like right. that's the other side of the story right. that people don't share. And I feel like right. like used to there's there's a point in my life where I was all about the ground. Like I literally didn't sleep for days on end. I worked my ass off. I was building a business. I was right. broke. And there's periods of time where like right. that can be very good. That's what you have to do sometimes. And then you gain the perspective right. that brings. But then. I'm not in that chapter of my life anymore. Like I, I'm glad that I went through right. that. I have that perspective, but I don't have to do that anymore. I don't want to do anymore. I don't feel like I'm benefiting was, from doing that that's anymore. That's
2: right. You know, I got. I, I was married. Um, we're coming up on our fourth wedding anniversary, um, November twelfth this year. And prior to meeting my wife, um, I was uh, working here in Beverly Hills, and I was training nothing but like A-list celebrities. Mm. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I was working twelve-hour days, six days a week. Like I was literally. uh, I was single. I was out here by myself. um, So it was okay. But it becomes a slippery slope, you know, because you become accustomed to the money and then you don't want to give up the money. And it's like, then you have like a quality of life issue. I mean, I'm literally coming home, eating something, taking a shower, going to bed, waking up five hours later, going to the gym, training 10 to 12 people, waking up like it was like the Bill Murray, like Groundhog Day over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And while it was great in my bank account, Don't get me wrong. It was great. My life felt very empty and it felt very like myopic. And I didn't really feel like very, uh, I didn't feel happy. I wasn't like, was just boring. I mean, honestly, I mean, just we're talking like two years of this, like over and over and over and over and over again. It was just, it was madness. And then when I met my wife, I was like, I have to cut back on work. Like, even if it means sacrificing money, because, you know, as a trainer, you don't work, you don't get paid. It's the way it is. You know, there's no, there's no benefits. There's no paid off. There's no, there's none of that. But I'm so much more happier. You know, like sometimes she jokes and she's like, oh, I bet you wish you were working all those hours. And I'm like, no, like I'm much happier in my life with less money and her in my life and our daughter and our life that we have, that we've created than having any amount of money. Like I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't go back to, you know, I wouldn't take a job right now that required me to work 12, 15 hours a day if it took me away from my family. It's just not where my focus is, you know, like 47, which is hard for me to say this year. And I still feel like I'm a 19-year-old, but I also recognize that I'm not a 19-year-old. I'm a 47-year-old, and I want to start to focus on the things in my life that really matter. You know, it's interesting. If you look at the definition of success, by anybody's standard in this country, and now success is really about how much money you have.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And to me, that's wrong. That's wrong to me. I don't, I don't believe that that is the measure of a person's success. That might be a measure of how much financial freedom they have, but there is a lot more involved in an individual success. Do you have a Do you have a wife? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have meaningful relationships? Do you have you have you done anything to help your community? Have you helped anybody do anything? Like those are the things that a successful person to me. But our society is so driven by money. It's all about money. It's like everything in this world is about money. And I don't want to be that person. You know, I want to be successful. I want to have a great marriage. I want to have happy children. I want to have kids that I've taught, you know, how to be successful adults, how to treat other people. Um, Those are the things that I want to consider a success. You know, you might have a billion dollars, but, you know, if your kids are whatever, if you have five failed marriages, you know, to say that society would look at that person and say he's more successful than me just because he's got more zeros in his bank account. I I, I think that's flawed. I think that's a
0: flawed way of thinking. Totally, man. And it's weird because that is absolutely kind of the measuring stick that we use in this society. But we all, I feel, inherently know that there is more to life than money. So I don't know how we can all possibly inherently know that, yet not use that within the equation whatsoever. (laughs) Like, I look at people like the— like. I got into van life, you know, the, the hashtag van life for a little while. I'm looking through all these people because we got a big cargo van. I thought about converting it. And I'm looking at these people that have nothing other than what's in their van. They go to wherever they want to go. They right. unload their mountain bike. Right. They go on a drive. It they sounds, eat whatever It sounds they good, eat. doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds freaking amazing. <laughs> and there's like no, <laughs> no zeros in their bank account probably, you know. They're just living. That's right. But they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I know.
2: I, I've told, I've told, i told my wife, I'm like, look, I'm like, when the kids grow up, I'm like, maybe, maybe let's get an RV. Like, seriously, <laughs> let's get like one of those big, massive, like, you know, like Aerosmith RVs. I'm like, let's just drive all over the country. And let's just, you know, like, let's just go see the country. Let's just, let's get on a plane. Let's go to Europe, let's spend a year like traveling Europe, you know, like, like why? It's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's just a very different, you know, my experience is my experience. My perspective is my perspective. There's just different things that I want to do than just sit there and work and work and work and watch a bunch of money you go up in a bank account. I'd rather spend the money or have little and go do things that like are replaced with experiences that change you as a person that that no amount of money can
0: give you. You know? Totally, man. I feel very blessed to have a career path that I am incredibly passionate about because that fills my cup. Yeah, like working fills my cup, but there's, I mean, that's, that's not the norm. There's so many people out there that are working in jobs. They feel no fulfillment from, they absolutely hate. That's almost everybody, man. Yeah. They're doing it just for the bank account. And it's, it's sad because there are so many opportunities out there that can be created. And like, even if you, even if you sacrifice a couple of those zeros in your bank account, but you're, you feel totally like alive and invigorated and you have your zeal for life back. I mean, that is, that is worthwhile any day of the week.
2: Listen man, nobody gets into nobody gets into personal training to be a millionaire. You know? Mm -hmm. Um I mean, honestly, I'm probably top two percent in terms of people that I've worked with and income that I've made in personal training. Like in the world, like legitimately. Like, and I'm not saying that as as cocky or or arrogant or like I'm bragging. It's just a fact, you know, where I am and who I've worked with and the train and the people that I work with and who I'm working with now. 99.999995% 99.999995% of the personal trainers in this world will never make the hourly rate or have the, I don't want to call them the level. I just want to say the, um, what's the right word to put it? Like the word, the word celebrity trainer is actually, it's ridiculous when you think about it. There's no such thing as a celebrity trainer. You don't go to a special school. You don't get a different certification. You just happen to get in with some people who happen to have friends that are celebrities, and then you get referred, and then other celebrities come to you does it make you good? Which is another misnomer in this industry. You know, people hear, Oh, he's a celebrity trainer. She's a celebrity trainer. And for some reason that automatically like elevates your ability or your knowledge as trainer. And I can tell you that that is absolutely not the case. I've seen and met and worked with more celebrity trainers that aren't worth their weight and salt. That's mm-hmm. how bad they are. But for whatever reason, they've gotten this client and then another client and another client and their training is awful. I mean, it's awful, like downright awful. I'm not even exaggerating. So it doesn't really mean anything. Um, it just means that I'm grateful and I respect and I appreciate the fact and I acknowledge that I am very, very lucky to have made the jump from where I was to what I do now and to have worked with the people that I do work with. Like, uh, like that doesn't, I don't forget that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get into personal training, don't get into it for, because the reason why I'm saying this is because you say you love what you do. I always loved what I did. I always loved seeing somebody do something that they thought they couldn't do. You know, they couldn't do it two weeks ago, and now they can do it. You know, I always say one of the biggest things you can do is take control of your body. It's probably the most powerful thing that you can do. Somebody who is not very confident, somebody who doesn't like the way that they look, or doesn't like the way that they feel when you see that look on their face when like a week later two weeks later three weeks later it's starting to click in their head they're like oh my god i couldn't do this a week ago i'm like did you see that i was it's like one of the greatest feelings for me and you know they thank me and i tell them all the time like i didn't do anything you know it's like i kind of consider myself like a maestro like i always think the maestro in the front of the orchestra it's funny how he has to bow and he gets all of the accolades It's like everybody else is playing the instruments you're just waving the thing around telling who to do what you know what I mean but yeah. they're really you know the, the maestro can't play the violin you know like he, he's not he's not on the piano he's not playing the horns you know what I mean it's like he's just telling them when to play it so I always tell them like it's not me it's you you know you you're a great student you're you you listen to me and I'm thankful that you are trusting me because there really is no greater trust when you think about it yeah. somebody comes to you as a client they are trusting you with their body. You know, like, take my body. I want you to help me change my body. And they're trusting that you know what you're doing to help them get to where they want to go. So when I see them get where they want to go, it's very, very, very rewarding for me. So get into training because you truly enjoy helping people. And that that's the best piece of advice I could give people.
0: 100%, man. 100%. I've got a technical question for you since you've been in the game for as long as you have. With regard to yeah. training specifically, like... You know, it's funny because I'm in the keto space, I'm in the biohacking space. There's always this next new shiny object, some crazy blood work test, right. some crazy whatever. With regard to training, yeah. have you noticed that there's like this big quantum leap in advancements that have been made over the past 30 years? Or do you feel like just the, you know, bare basic fundamental principles, progressive overload, that's all you need to know? And you can pretty much see the progress you need. The main thing is just consistency over time with those basic movements. Now, what's your take on that?
2: my, my take is that it's all become circuit training. You know, circuit training is the number one way for the average person to train, not for you because you're training for bodybuilding. You're looking to specifically hypertrophy certain muscles. So you go for a specific look, you talk about like progressive overloads and cheating principles and periodization and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are all principles that are going to be used for, you know, bodybuilders and weightlifters because they're looking to achieve a specific goal. 99% of the people working out they don't have those goals. 99% of guys, they want their chest a little bigger, their shoulders a little wider. They want their abs flatter, their love handles gone. Women want their, you know, they want thigh gap. They want, you know, the back, the fat on the back of their arms gone. They want, you know, bigger glutes. Like it's as unique as we are. Most of the people in the world, excluding like bodybuilders and and weightlifters, like I said, or an athlete who was training for a specific, you know, target or to, to reach something specifically circuit training by far is the way to go high-intensity interval training. And if you look at the most successful programs, that's really what they are. I mean, you know, CrossFit can talk all day about how, I mean, Glassman took, you know, he took gymnastics and cardio training and rowing and weightlifting, and he threw him into a hopper, and that was his thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like brain surgery. You know, it's just it's variable intensity, high-intensity interval training. That's what he's doing, thrown with some weight, lane, weight, weight training. You look at Barry's boot camp, it's the same thing. You look at lots of these things that are radically changing people's bodies, It's all high intensity interval training based. It's all bring the heart rate all the way up, come all the way down, throwing a set of, you know, throwing a set of, and, and it's, and mostly of the time it's full body, you know, like you're not really going to see guys doing, you know, the one of the biggest mistakes that trainers make is training their clients the way that they want to train. Right. I did it when I first started, you know, 45 year old woman comes to me, she wants to lose weight. I'm not going to have her do chest and biceps on Monday and then 45 minutes on the treadmill for cardio. It's bodybuilder training. You know, what I am going to have her do is I'm going to have her do circuit training where we're going to work all parts of her body. I tend to focus a lot on posture, shoulders, neck position, and glutes because those are the, you know, the posterior chain because so many people are deconditioned from sitting and now from texting with their head forward, they're shortening all the you know, the SEM on the front of the neck, lengthening the back of the neck. So we're ending up with a lot of cervical, cervical problems. So I try to do like a lot of, I don't want to call it corrective exercise because I don't really believe that corrective exercise exists. I believe that you can use what they call corrective exercises to counterbalance some of the stuff and maybe not let it get any worse. But I don't really believe that you can fix people's, um, you know, bad postural alignments with Mm -hmm. corrective exercise. I don't believe that. That's just me from my years of seeing it um i think who you are genetically is generally who you are genetically you might be able to improve it a little bit each way but you're not going to fix
1: it yeah that makes so sense
2: I, I i just think the circuit training is the way to go let's work you know my the gym that i have merge which is my creation is a high you know high intensity interval training 100% no impact we use airdynes we use crosscore which is like a much better version of the trx because it has rotation involved we use water rowers and then we use body weight exercises and i have people in the first month dropping 12 13 14 15 pounds just from the high intensity sprints on the rower and on the bike, you know, the average person, um, again, they don't want to look like a bodybuilder. They don't want to look like a fitness athlete. That's not what they're going for. So if they don't want to go for that, then why train them like that? No,
1: you know, that makes a lot of sense, so
2: much man. of the routine, so much of the routines that are around today, even some of the eating plans, you know, and I wrote a book called showed up and work out. And this is one of the things that I call, I, I talked about in there. It's all bodybuilder trickle down stuff, you know, six meals a day, half a cup of brown rice, half a, half a sweet potato, one one tablespoon of oodles, you know, Udo's oil with seven ounces of chicken, you know, five times a day. It's like, it's for a bodybuilder. That's not for you. You know, the, you look at the training programs that they show, like they're all bodybuilder training programs. It's, people looked at those people back in the 80s, like, wow, that guy's in shape. What is he doing? But you're not thinking about like why he's doing it. Why is he eating that way? He's eating that way because his one and only goal is to get as big as he can possibly get. That's not your goal. That's not 99% of the people's goals. That's not what they want to do. So if you don't want to be a bodybuilder, if you don't want to be a powerlifter, then don't train like one. It's like showing up to a marathon with powerlifting shoes. You're wearing the wrong gear. So you have to eat the way, train the way for the type of look that you want to look for. And for me, I believe that that's mostly circuit training and hit training.
0: I love it. I love it. I think, I think that should shed a lot of light on people's, you know, goals because so many people, like you said, they're looking at these trickle-down concepts from something they're not even trying to, trying to obtain themselves. So this makes no sense whatsoever.
2: No, you go to the gym and you see like, these, you know, you see like women in the gym that are like, you know, 40s, 30s, and they're like, they're doing like seven sets, 10 sets of like bicep curls. I don't know any woman that wants big biceps. Like, why are you, doing? she's with the trainer, you know, and he's got her he's got her on the leg press and she's doing like 10 sets of leg press. And then she's doing 10 sets of squats. And then she's like, but she's like 40 pounds overweight, 50 pounds overweight. Like that is not the most. And then, you know, I get it. Women need to be strong. I'm not hating on women who lift weights. I'm not saying that at all. Of course, strength training should be part of their program. I'm just saying if your goal is to lose weight, which let's be honest, most people who get into an exercise program want to lose weight, right? There's not many people walking around that look great, naturally and say, Hey, I think I want to start an exercise program. Most individuals motivation for starting an exercise program is their body has gotten to a point where they don't like it anymore, or they, they, they want to change it. They usually want to lose weight and they're coming to you or they're going to a gym because they want to lose some weight. If that's the case, then the best way for you to lose 40 pounds is not with 20 sets of legs.
1: Mm -hmm. It's just not
2: like you, that's, that's not the right way to do it. So you know, you have to pick the right tool. You got to pick the right tool out of the toolbox, depending on what you're trying to build, you know?
0: 100%, man. Speaking of your your gym, has this whole virus chaos had much of an impact? I would assume that it has to have had a pretty uh, big impact yeah, on the huge. gym. What, yeah, huge. What's massive, that like?
2: Massive, massive. Impact. It's closed. I mean, we, uh, uh, you know, they closed it back in March. Um, but even before that, though, um, I saw it. It was interesting. In November and December, there are a lot of people here that were, um, that were sick, you know, they were not, not just cold sick. I'm talking like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And I said to my wife, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, you think, did I say something? Like maybe I upset them and they didn't want to call back. And I actually called a couple of them and said, Hey, cause I thought maybe they were like BSing me a little bit. They're like, oh, I'm I swear to God, they're like, I can't get rid of this cold. It's like I'm on my fourth round of antibiotics. So Back in November and December, our numbers started to go down a little bit, which was odd because, you know, right around January, February with with New Year's resolutions is when we should have been busier. Mm -hmm. People were sick and they were getting sick. And then I got sick like three days, like violently three days sick. And I'm, you know, now obviously in hindsight, I'm wondering if that's what I had. Anyway, fast forward, they opened us for like three weeks. And of course, you know, the numbers started to skyrocket again because, Nobody's practicing social distancing. Nobody wants to wear a mask. I don't know whether you believe in it or not, whatever, whatever it is, for whatever reason it continues to grow. And now the cases in Los Angeles are just awful. So we are open for private training. I have some groups of people that are still coming in um, that are all friends, like, you know, nine o'clock, six, you know, six people come in the same six people every week. Um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's hurt it tremendously. So, um, it's made me go back to the drawing board. I'm training a lot of my clients. Um, through Facetime, which has been, has been amazing. Um, I don't know if you caught a, a shot of uh, Matthew McConaughey, but they just posted him online. He's one of my clients, and we've been doing some amazing Facetime workouts. And he went to Hawaii, and they got a shot of him on the beach, and he just looks jacked. And he's gonna—he's like 50. He looks fantastic. It's amazing. Like, so happy with the way he looks. And um, so I'm going back to Facetime, and I'm going to do some Zoom sessions, and I'm relaunching my website, uh, which is going to be out probably in the next week. Amazing content. Um, and I'm going to have a, a membership portion there. And it's also going to have, it's very cool. It's going to have like a, it's going to have its own little like social network. So you'll be able to create your own profile. You'll be able to talk to other members. And then inside there, there'll be like private chats and private, uh, recipes and training tips and everybody can kind of like communicate with one another, but it's going to be huge content driven. You know, when I had angry trainer fitness, I had 250,000 visits a month on my website. I was known for content, you know, training content, nutrition content, product reviews, uh, you know, does compression gear work? You know, what's the deal with cold submersion? Does, culture, does it really work? You know, should you really ice an injury or should you let you like, this is all stuff that I talk about, you know, and I'm bringing all of that back and we're going to relaunch the website. So, you know, adapt and overcome, you know, I can sit here and I can complain and say, Hey, we built this gym over three years and right now we're closed or we're not making a single dollar. What am I going to do with it? Or I can say, okay, if this is the situation I'm giving right now. How am I going to, um, adapt and overcome this? And I'm just going to go back online. You know, it's worked fantastic with all of my, with my training clients. So that's what I'm going to do. Like, it's just kind of like pushed me to just look another, you know, if you're a hustler, you're always a hustler. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't, it it doesn't matter what happens to you. Interesting. I'll tell you this real quick. When I was back in New York, I had a guy who um, I trained. He was working for Lehman Brothers and he was working for Morgan Stanley. This Mm -hmm. guy was worth, I mean, millions, 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 probably, I think $20 million the guy had. And I think it was Lehman Brothers. I can't remember, but Lehman Brothers went bankrupt overnight. And I saw him the next day because I was training him. And he told me, he goes, I lost everything. He lost everything. He lost his entire bank. He lost all of the money that this guy, he was a graduate of Wharton School of, uh, Wharton School of Business. I think he lost $20 million. And this guy within six months was right back up on his feet again. He found a way, he did something else in the market. And years later, he's right back where he was. You know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of like what you were talking about before with that, that hard, you know, you, you, t- you like taking the hard way of doing things. Mm-hmm. There's also that like never quit, that never accept that things, you know, you are in control of what happens to you. Nobody else is. There may be other people who influence the factors around you, maybe, but at the end of the day, you are the only person who is responsible for where you are in this life. And if something happens, then if you are that person, you will figure out a way to make something else happen.
0: It's just the way it is. I, I love it, man. I feel like there's a lot going on in the world right now that that makes it very easy for people to point a finger and you know take blame something else basically and say, so oh, if 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 it's I don't awful. make it, it's because of this. But there's there's a lot of things that suck out there right now. And that's just the fact. But you 100% sure. are the one that that sets up your own life. You're the one that that paints your own picture, and it all falls on you like i don't care what is going on in the world right this, now. i don't care about the, the virus i don't care about anything. It. it's all Robert, you. This,
2: this is this is the thing i agree with you a million percent you know and i'm not in any of i'm not in anybody else's position other than my own okay but there was we had protests here mm-hmm. um and they were literally a block away they had the tear gas them the lapd was over our head they all of our streets were filled with tear gas right outside this window right here there was three thousand people I'm three blocks away from Rodeo Drive. They were breaking windows, spray painting the street. I mean, it looked like a scene out of a movie. It was crazy. Two weeks later, they came back. They're one block over here, and they're, um, they're holding signs that say, eat the rich, okay? I am not rich. I live in Beverly Hills. I'm not rich. I ate out of a garbage can.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay? I took food out of a garbage can. I slept in a Mazda Miata, rent-a-wreck in a CVS parking lot. Right. Nobody gave me anything. Nobody did anything for me. Okay. For them to say that I'm, I don't even want to use the word privileged or like they, I need to give them some of, how about you go through what I went through to get what I have? Then we can talk, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you, you are in charge of what you want and you're in charge of how to get it. If there's one person from where you are that got out from where you are and they made it, then that means it can be done. Yep. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear that you're, I don't want to, I don't, and this is for everybody. This has nothing to do with, this has nothing to do with any color, any race, any religion. I don't care where you're from. Does your circumstances maybe make it more challenging? Of course it does. There's no doubt about that. That's, that there, there's, that that's perspective on um, any person in this world, no matter where they are, look at Beirut. Well, look what just happened there. Look at, look at people all over the world. Look at what, look what happening in Africa. I mean, all of these people, I mean, there's terrible things. People are facing terrible circumstances everywhere, but at the end of the day you can figure out a way to get out of it. If you don't want to be in it, that's just the way I feel. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to be enlightened. I just feel like going through what I went through, which was not easy at all. You know, um, you know, I have a dollar. It's my dollar story. I still have my, I still have my dollar. I had $1 to my name when everything, when everything changed for me, literally had a dollar. So, um, I carry that dollar around in my wallet and we're going to frame it and we're going to put it on the wall. You know, like you can't be a victim of circumstances. You have to create your own circumstances. If you don't like the circumstances and change the circumstances, but circumstances are uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable you have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order for things to change. Is it, is it easy to pick up and move from one neighborhood to another? Absolutely not. I mean, man, I came from Connecticut. I left two kids, you know, um, 16 and 14 at the time. You may know you younger, 15, 15 and, and 13 at the time. And I came out here and had no place to live and had nothing to do just because my gut told me to, you know, and, um, you know, it's just, like I said, you, you just gotta, if you want it, it will happen. If, if you're not willing to work for it, if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, you know, I think that a lot of this generation is very entitled.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think they, I think they don't want to work for what they want. I think they somehow feel like it's just going to magically be given to them. Um, I think it's just a different generation. I think it's a different generation. I think it's a different time. And I think that social media is the devil in all of this. Um, and fact checking and the news and how the news is completely, you know, you don't know, I mean, I don't even know who to believe. Truthfully, I really don't. And it's impossible because, you know, back in the day, if you used to read the paper, maybe it was 90% true. Now it's like 30% true. You know, I mean, who, how do you, it's so hard to make an informed decision about anything. It's kind of like the fitness industry, to be honest with you, let's be honest, right? You go read, go read an article on the best way to lose fat. They'll tell you it's running five, five miles, right? Go read another article. They'll tell you it's your diet. Go tell you there's no such thing as lower abs. They'll tell you that working a muscle, you can burn fat in that area, right? Everything you read on the internet when it comes to fitness is probably 99% misinformation. And for everything that you find that tells you to go one way, you can find a contradictory article written by some doctor or some study that says the exact opposite, right? Same thing. It's no different when you turn on the news now. It's like, Republicans, Democrats, the you know, this is happening here, that's happening here. You don't know. It's very it's very, very hard to make an informed, educated decision and be knowledgeable about anything in the world today because you don't know whose motive is what with what they're feeding you. It's very hard. All I can do is talk about my own personal experience. If you want to change where you are, change where you are. Don't blame anybody else. Don't say it's somebody else's fault for you being there. Change who you are and make a success of yourself. It's all within your power. And honestly, to say that it's not within your power is—it's—it's it's worse for you. You're—you're—you're—you're you're, you're not showing the respect to yourself for the powers and the abilities that you have as a human being. If you're saying that somebody else is the reason why you aren't who you want to be, don't give them that power. You have more power than they do.
0: Totally agreement. It's—it's honestly liberating to know that it's all in your power, even if that means you have to freaking work your ass off to know that you have the ability to make a change is liberating and feel, I feel like that's how everybody should view it. You know, like so many people would be offended by what you just said about it's not anybody else's fault, but your own. But at the same time, it's like, if you're offended by that simple statement, then you've probably got some underlying issues to get the work and make it happen.
2: Well, I don't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that it's nobody's fault, but your own. I, I will say, I will say, you know, I mean, look, dude, I'm a tattooed muscle head. I used to be a biker back where I used to live. Okay. I had the long goatee. I wore a bandana around my head. I built Harley Davidson's dude. I was pulled over by state troopers and police. I'm not even joking. Four days out of every week followed me for miles through town. I mean, they would go, they would drive right behind me to see if I would do 31 in the 30. I mean, over. And I'm honestly, I'm not exaggerating. Like It was constant. And even one day the guy is like the same cop. He pulled me over three times in this town I lived in, in Danbury. And I looked at him and we actually became friendly afterwards. I'm like, man, I'm like, why do you keep pulling me over? He's like, well, look at the way that you look. And I go, what? Like, because I got tattoos. I'm wearing a tank top with a, with a bandana on my head. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, you look like, you look like the guys in this area that are up to no good. I go, but I'm not. He goes, I know. He goes, I know you now. He goes, I know you're not like, I know what it's like for people to even now in in our society, you know, like even with just, you know, tattoos on my arm, you know, like you think they're accepted. They're not. I live in Beverly Hills. I walk around, I get dirty looks all the time. I get people who don't want to talk to me. I don't care. You know, like, there's always, there's always somebody who's not going to like you for some reason. They don't like the color of your hair. They don't like the shoes you're wearing. You know, they they don't like the car that you drive. Your, your nails aren't manicured. They don't like the color of your skin. I give two shits, you know, like it's, I still had my path. I still did what I did. I still knew what I wanted to achieve and I achieved it. And there are other people in this world who may fit today's classifications of people who are, you know, oppressed or who are being held down. They fit it, but they're billionaires. They're successful. They're more successful than a lot of other people with different skin color than them. So if they're able to do it, then it can be done. It's like if one person can jump from this rock to that rock. Well, then we know it can be done. Then we know we can all jump. Your legs might be a little bit shorter, but okay, maybe you have to work a little bit harder. You're going to jump. You you can still do it because we just saw them do it. You know, it's like, so I'm not saying that there aren't factors in play. There's factors everywhere for everybody, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in in, in terms of, you know, maybe being judged or, you know, being held back or maybe being overlooked because of the way that you look or the way that you sound or the way that you talk, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But that doesn't mean that you can't overcome it. It doesn't mean that you can't just choose a different path. There's a hundred different ways to get to the same, to get to from A to B. You can go one through, one through a hundred. You know, if you go down one, one's not working for you, back up and try two. You know, eventually you'll find a way to get there. If it's really what you want, you will find a way to get there. I can't control what other people think of other people. I can't control them. And I'm not responsible for what other people think of other people. That's on them. I don't like people who judge other people. I don't, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your nationality is. I don't care what the color of your skin is. If you're a dirtbag, you're a dirtbag. I like good people. That's what I like. I like good people with good hearts that are compassionate, that are empathetic, that care about other people. That's what I like. Those are the people that I like, regardless of what they look like. I don't like people who don't think that way. You know, so I, I don't, I don't think that, um, people should be, Classifying everybody in one way or another. I guess it's easy to do, and it makes people feel better. But statistically, you can't do that. It doesn't work like that.
0: Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's honestly, just laziness on the part of the person that's just classifying blat- blindly. You know, like you, you gotta. Like yeah. my whole take on it is, I truly believe I can learn something from every single person on this planet. So anytime I'm interacting with somebody, I'm gonna give them the respect and the time of day to like. Have a conversation. Look them in the eye. Treat them with respect. See where it goes. You know, and then after I have that moment, sure. I can kind of go based off of that. But like, just to blindly categorize people, it just—it's just total laziness.
2: Right. I agree. So many agree. gems
0: in this podcast, man. So many gems. So, just to to recap, you said you had you're basically taking all of your brand, all of your business, and you're going online with it, which I think is, is awesome. Where can people go yeah. to like follow up on that, man? Find out about that. Get involved. Yeah, we'll be, uh,
1: it could be.
2: It's going to be be traineralfonso.com. So it'd be traineralfonso.com. And I created a program called the 30 hour body, which is awesome. It's four 45 minute workouts a week for 10 weeks. I tell everybody, you know, you're 30 hours away for a best body. And the reason why I called it that is because, you know, two and a half months sounds like a lot longer than, you know, 30 hours. Some people Mm -hmm. come to me and they say, Oh, you know, we've been working out for like two months, man. How come I don't see any different Hold on a second. It's not two months. It's been like nine hours. Like, let's put this in perspective here. Like you've put a total of nine hours of work into your body. And when you start to put it into actual time that you put into your body, I think it makes a little bit more sense to people. So I call it the 30 hour body, 30 hour body 4 45 minute work- workouts a week, 10 weeks. And the slogan is it's about time. You know, like it's about time that you take control of your body. It's about time that you feel better about yourself. The workout is about time. It's about 30 hours, 30 hours from now, you will look and feel the best you felt in years. So okay. traineralfonso.com should be launching in about a week or two with the 30-hour body program. Uh, and I'm super excited. It's going to do really
0: well. I love it. I love it. And what are you on Instagram, too, in case people want to follow you on that?
2: Uh, trainer Alfonso.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll certainly link after that, try man. To keep
2: it, try to keep it uniform, you
0: know? Yeah. <laughs> no, makes sense. Makes sense. I honestly didn't know where, yeah. where this conversation was going to go, man. This is the first time I've talked with you. But, man, this has been you got me fired up, brother. So I'm excited to tackle the rest of the day, man. You got me on fire now. It's <laughs> all
2: so good. Next time, next time. We'll have a we'll have another we'll we'll have another one where next time I, we talk about all the celebrities I trained. <laughs> hey man,
0: I'm all about it. Let's let's get I you in some, for round two. I got some sure. funny
2: stories on that one.
0: Sounds good, yeah. man. Well, let's keep in touch. Keep killing it, brother.
2: For sure. You too, Robert. Thank you so much, man. I love your product, by the way. I keep I just checked UPS tracking. It's going to be here in the next hour. <laughs> I, need, I need my, <laughs> I, need my peanut, I need my peanut butter keto brick.
0: <laughs> hey man, we'll keep on eating it, man. I'll keep on sending them. All right, you got it. Take care, brother.
2: Thank you, Robert. Good
0: talking to you, man. Likewise.